0: Summer Jason. Hello, everyone. Oops. My name is Lana. For those of you who don't know me, and you may take a seat now. I realize you're still standing. Um, so, um, yeah, welcome. Uh, my name is Lana, and I'm one of the elders here. Um, I am actually doing welcome today, and I'm teaching, so you get a double portion of me. Um, So today, um, we are continuing our um, series on habitus. Um, It was, I don't know how many weeks, at least probably eight or ten um, but before we do that, I wanted to just um, give you some announcements, and um, Andre, who is usually doing that, is not here today, so I'm stepping in for him. Um, so we, for those of you who are new, um, welcome. This is Gallery Church, one of our two locations, um, and we actually have an app um, through which you can stay connected with us and get certain notifications and um, sign up for things like the, um, last summer growth session. So during the, um, summer, um, a lot of our small groups or growth communities, as we call them, take breaks. um, so they can just, you know, travel a lot of like August is vacation month. Um, so Andre, um, and Pastor Ellis decided to, um, just form these, um, summer sessions or mixed growth communities and meet um, maybe once a week they were meeting or bi-weekly and the last one is um, next Wednesday August 25th So um, going forward um, in the month of September, we will be resuming some of the normal scheduled growth communities. So this is a great opportunity for you to meet everyone, um, to meet new people, to um, just talk about Jesus around the um, dinner table, uh, which I think is a great opportunity. So I'll try to be there myself, um, and I encourage you to sign up. Um, You can, if you don't have the app or um, you don't know how to download it, just see me after. I'm happy to show you. Um, so also during the summer, um, if Josie, if you could put that, the books on the slide, um, summer books we have been reading. Um, there's two of them and one is not really a book. It's like a, like a comic book, honestly. Um, what if Jesus was serious? Um, it's super easy to read. Um, it's like barely there's any words in there. There's a lot of drawings. It's fun. Um, so please, um, let, um, me know if you want like a link to it. Um, I'm happy to um, share with you, but, um, the next book is, um, when they, when we stand, um, by Terrence Lester. So I, um, encourage you to, um, pick both of those up, um, and, uh, read it. It doesn't mean that you can't read it, um, in September. You can always pick those up. Uh, but we've just been reading it together as a church, um, during the summer. And one last announcement I have is the grocery gift card. So our deacons, um, none of them are here today. Um, okay, Julian went somewhere. I know he'll be back. Um, so... Um, They've been doing a lot of um, just serving of communities, of our communities where we are represented, not just here downtown or in Patterson Park, but um, those that are um, neighbors to us, you know, where we live in every single um, neighborhood of Baltimore. Um, So they've been helping People um, with their tangible needs going to the grocery store or providing the needs for, f- providing the means for them to go to the grocery store, so consider as um, part of your giving to um, donate gift cards um, and you have on the slide information um, what kind of cards we're looking for and um, it would just be a great way to meet some tangible needs of people who are um, um, who live around us and um, who we can um, who we can just, you know, serve as part of our walk with, with Christ. So these are all the the announcements. If I remember something later, I'll definitely tell you. But, um, before we start with the teaching, um, let's just close our eyes and center our hearts on, on God. And, um, as I pray for the teaching, just, you know, say a prayer for me because I definitely need it. Um, dear Lord, we thank you, God, for who you are, God. We thank you, God, for being here in our midst. We thank you, God, for um, not just being here, God, but for staying active in our lives, for staying active, Lord God, in our hearts. I pray, Lord God, that as we um, look into these scriptures, as we um, look into the information I believe you've put on my heart, I pray, Lord God, that you will lead us, Lord God, guide us, Lord God, direct me as I speak, Lord God. I pray that you will um, just reduce me, Lord God, and increase yourself, Lord God, through every word I say. And I pray that this um, teaching, that these scriptures will fall on good soil today. Um, let um, Let us learn from you together today. In Jesus' name, amen. So. Um today we are continuing, like I said, um, our um, series called Habitus, The Daily Way of Living. That's what it means. Um, so we've talked about a lot of things like um, well, last week was the, uh, somebody called it the sex talk. It was purity and, uh, Leon Pinkett was the, um, the speaker here. But before that, we talked about integrity. We talked about how to live, uh, with our neighbors. We, um, talked about, um, uh, how to worship as part of our daily living. So today's just a continuation of those, uh, of that series. And it's, um, a sermon or a teaching as you call it on good business. So what it means to do good business And I, just a caveat, I should have put it on the slide in big, bold letters. I'm not a professional at this. Like... I am just learning as I speak. Uh, I'm learning as I'm looking these things up. But um, for those of you who don't know me, I am, um, though I'm one of the elders here, this is not my full-time job. My full-time job is I work in corporate America, as they call it. And um, I believe that I'm called to the corporate world, at least for now. Um, And that is where I draw a lot of the material um, for this teaching and also for... Just honestly, in my daily living, my work is important to me, and I believe as looking at um, some of these scriptures, I've just been feeling and hearing confirmations from the Lord that it's always more than just work. So that's what we are going to look at today. Um, Our primary scripture for today will be Colossians 3.23. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. So when I looked at the list of teachings um, uh, Pastor Ellis asked us to pick up for the month of August, um, I was immediately drawn to this one, And I actually asked to switch from another teaching. I won't tell you what kind of teaching I switched from, but um, I switched to this one because this scripture, the Colossians 3.23 scripture that I just read, has been my um, inspiration, my, uh, honestly, my daily prayer as I go into the office, as I log into my Zoom meetings these days, or whatever means of uh, however you perform work these days. Um, I believe truly that without this scripture, it is impossible to do business well. And I don't just mean business as in corporate world business. Business is everywhere you go. Work is everywhere you are called to be, uh, whether it's a medical profession or um, any kind of analytics job you're doing, software en- engineer, like, whatever you are, your vocation is what I will be um, putting under this term business today. So in the scripture, Paul was reminding Christian leaders um, of the higher call that is on their lives. Christians are not called to do work that is just average or, you know, dread from Monday to Friday and try to survive. And then on Friday be like TGIF, you know, can't wait for the weekend. There's nothing wrong with waiting for the weekend. But uh, we are called to perform work with excellence in a way that honors God. And I want to put a little um, asterisk there on excellence that does not mean perfection. And I'll touch upon that a little bit later. But um, I believe that there's been a misunderstanding with some of um, just the the folks I speak with sometimes. And it's like, no, there is room for error. Don't don't get me wrong. But excellence is something different. Um, So before we talk about good business and, you know, some of the things that we can do to ensure that we as Christians do good business, Um, I always like to go a little bit earlier and start um, approach this topic from the very beginning. The purpose of work and why we work, why we need to work and why it's meant to be a big part of our lives. So in Genesis 2 uh, verses 1 through 3 and verse 15, it says, Thus the heavens and the earth were finished and um, and all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done, and he rested from all his work he had done. God blessed the, So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it, God rested from all his work he had done in creation. And verse 15 says, the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and keep it. So as we know, as we are Bible-believing Christians, we know that um, The world was not created out of some kind of explosion or conflict of two things. God created it, right? So um, the word that he is using in uh, the Hebrew version of the Old Testament is, um, forgive me for pronouncing it wrong, milk, which means um, ordinary human work. So that's what he calls creating the world, creating every single creature, creating every single part of our nature, the water, the skies, the trees, everything, the stars and the sun. He calls ordinary human work. And then the same word is used later in verse 15, when it says the Lord God took the man, Adam, and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and keep it. So gardening is like the same level of work, ordinary human work, God considers as creating the world. Do you understand like, the, the big part of what we do uh, on a daily basis as our vocation? like It's not just gardening that Adam was called to do. It's participating. Uh, it was God's invitation to Adam to participate in continuation of creating the world. And the same way God is inviting us to participate in everything that he's doing in your office, in your neighborhood, um, wherever you are, wherever you get to be plugged into. So that's going to be the main focus of, um, of today. And just I want to encourage you to think about it as you leave this room. This, we're not done with the teaching, but as you uh, leave this room today, just continue to think about when you look around the office, um, when you look around every single coworker, like, how can I? I'm invited to be here by God. How can I actually participate with my full heart and do the milk, the work of um, ordinary human work, it looks to us, but it's actually part of creation of the world and continuation of its uh, flourishment. So how are you called to work specifically? Let's transfer it back to our days. In 1 Corinthians 7:17, 7, it says, nevertheless, each person should live as a believer in whatever, the, whatever situation the Lord has assigned to them, just as God has called them. This is the rule I lay down in all the churches. So, the word calling in Greek is kaleo. It describes God's summons to men and women into saving faith in union with, this, with his son. We're also called by God to preach the message of the gospel through the world. Same word kaleo is used. So how do we reconcile that? It means we get an opportunity to preach the gospel through our daily calling and our daily vocation, our our ordinary human work. And God is not calling us when we become believers to leave whatever it is that we are doing and become, you know, um, some sort of participants in ministry full time that is not, that is not what God is saying. We are called to still be in the job that we were doing before and continue to shine the light of Christ in there. Now I want to caveat that if God is speaking to you about leaving your secular job and, you know, stepping full-time into ministry, that's a different story. That's something that's definitely has to be considered and, um, you know, it's a conversation with God, like, okay, God, are you actually saying this? So, um, and then the second caveat, I want to say, if God is convicting you about the kind of work that you were doing before you became a Christian, that's also something that needs to be addressed. Um, but in general, we do not need to switch from, uh, being in an office of some kind, um, to then start just teaching or preaching the gospel as our full-time vocation. So, what are we working for? Um, there work in, in our daily jobs, in our daily lives, really, um, there are idols everywhere, right? So um, we get tempted by um, power, by finances, by increasing our riches. Um, we get tempted by just achievement and status and what others think of us. You know, we like to say that we hold a certain position. We like to say that, um, we are in this and this type of leadership. Uh, we, um, sometimes we even brag about that. So what if, oh, and sometimes there are noble jobs, right? So that's, um, something I want to also say. Um, I'm not in a noble job environment, right? So um, noble jobs is like I'm not saving lives by coming at 7 a.m. to work every day. I am not. I wish I was, but... um, So it is very important to know that any type of job that anyone does is part of God's kingdom, part of him developing whatever it is he's developing in the city, in this, um, in this country, in the state, in your little neighborhood, and just your desk, you know, in your um, corner of three people. There may be just three people in your office, and that is where you're called to be. So idols are no joke, right? And they just creep in into your daily environment, and if it goes unchecked, if our heart goes unchecked, um, an idol can just step in and we can see, I at least can see, I don't know about you, just my behavior changing sometimes, my attitude changing sometimes. And I'm like, wait a minute, why am I behaving this way? Like, and God convicts me and God shows me that, well, you're really not focused on serving anybody right now. You're just focused on achieving something for your own good and for your own status when you for your own power. So then he helps me backtrack it and lay down the idol. So if you've ever noticed that type of behavior change in you, I encourage you to consider just bringing it to the Lord and saying, God, what am I really in this vocation for? Like, do I want to serve? Do I, do I like doing this for you? Or am I just dragging my feet through this, you know, Monday to Friday routine? Um, my question has become in the last couple of years as i've become a christian how with my existing abilities and gifts can i be of greatest service to other people knowing what i can do of god's will and human need and it's really hard to transfer to when you're just doing spreadsheets Like, this sounds like, okay, I'm going to Ethiopia, and I'm serving people there, you know, and I'm seeing tangible needs being met, met, and I'm, I don't know, we're putting this pump, and it's pumping water into the whole village. Like, that looks great. But when you're just sitting in front of your desk, and you're working on a spreadsheet, that's just, like, for me, it was really hard to reconcile. Like, how am I really being of greatest service here? But then the Lord reminded me that it doesn't actually matter um, what work you perform. Like I said before, the ultimate goal of our work and our vocation is to serve God and to serve his people in the way he calls me to serve them with utmost integrity, desire to please him and ultimately love. That is ultimately what you're there to do. If you're not doing these things, Let's put a reality check in place. And let's understand, okay, God, mm, I'm not doing it with utmost integrity. I'm not doing it to please you. And I'm not doing it in love. So, apparently, um, there's a definition of an idol that I came across. I don't know who said it, so I can't put it as a quote Um, But I'll just say it. Idol is something good turned into an ultimate thing. So I'll say it again. Idol is something good turned into an ultimate thing. So an idol can be anything. Marriage can be an idol. Friendship can be an idol. Worship can be an idol. Christianity can be an idol. And business, work, vocation can be an idol as well. And actually in speaking with my, um, one of my friends who works in an emergency medicine department, he is always addressing this as I need to check my goals and my responsibilities daily before God, because if I don't, I will feel like a God at work because I'm, I'm literally doing something with my hands that is saving lives. And I want to be, and he says that, and I want to be sure that I participate in nothing, none of his glory. I only touch what he allows me to touch and I do what he allows me to do. And ultimately, the lives of people are in his hands. So that is everywhere, in every vocation, right? Even the quote-unquote noble ones that I mentioned before. So um, when we... when we reconcile how to make sure that work does not become our idol, I, I find it very helpful um, that, to understand that work is not the means to our salvation. So as Christians, our salvation is promised by grace through faith. That's it. There is nothing that we can do to achieve anything, any kind of status with the Lord. Um, it is only in our obedience, out of love for Christ, in um, our just being compelled to serve for his message um, and being transformed by him himself that we can serve um, well and we can serve in love. Um, so that is something that helps me every day when I forget um, What am I here to do again? Um, Not spreadsheets. Got it. Um, Just serving God here. So um, a lot of the um, people in our church are millennials, um, as I understand it. Not a lot of millennials present here, though some of you are here. Um, But I just know the demographics. And apparently millennials like lists. So, when you Google, like, literally anything, how to clean your pot or whatever, somebody's happy. <laughs> how to clean your pot, it, like, says five ways to clean your pot well. And then you just go step by step. Um, so, um, I created a list myself. So, it's top ten things. I'm super proud of it. Um, don't, don't rain on my parade. Um, top ten things, not necessarily in the order that I'll be presenting them. But um, I believe these top uh, 10 steps will help us um, tangibly or in life application um, just act out our love for Christ and our service. So, number one, go above and beyond in everything that depends on you. Source is Matthew 5.41. If someone forces you to go with him one mile, go with him two miles. And Luke 6.31 says... Um, And it's called the golden rule. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Pretty self-explanatory. I think that every single Christian that I meet at work, I want to see their performance review, say, going above and beyond. This man or this woman, anything I ask them to do, they're just raising their hand and they're in it and they will deliver, and they will even offer, what else can I be doing? That's one of the ways we can um, actually practice um, serving others well, and serving others in love. Number two, let's talk about gossip. Whoa, big topic. It's like a whole other sermon. Um, There should be no gossip Christians participate in. And I'm not saying that in judgment of any kind. I've done it myself, let's be honest. But not in the workplace, not in your life, and not in the church. You should be participating in, the, in, the, in any kind of gossip. Um, the book of Proverbs, um, in general, is a phenomenal helper in business. Um, I know many colleagues that are Christians that refer to the book of Proverbs all the time to just gain wisdom and gain understanding of how to uh, work with others and how to serve others. So it says in um, Proverbs 4.24, put away... From you, crooked speech and put devious talk far from you, in one of my personal favorites, first thessalonians 4:11 to aspire to live quietly, to mind your own affairs, and to work with your hands as we instructed you. The Bible says, "Mind your own business, basically. I think um, and I put it in bold here for myself so I don't forget it. If you are a leader at your job, it is your responsibility not only to not participate in gossip, but I believe you're responsible for crushing it at its core, addressing it when it happens, when you see it happen. If it means a one on one conversation with a person who's spreading gossip or who's just jumping on the train and being dragged into it, then that's what needs to be done. It is not an easy conversation to have, and you're not going to be popular for not talking around the water cooler. There are even like water cooler Zoom calls in my company established last year uh, when we were you know, all working remotely. So literally, people just wanted to hop on Zoom and just chit-chat as if they were standing in front of the water cooler. And again, not saying in judgment. like This is natural for people to want to talk about everybody because there's evil in our hearts. But we know, as the scriptures that are on the screen um, listed for you, we know that this is not something that we are called to, and this is something that we must abstain from. Um, Number three, apologize if you did something wrong. Approach a person face-to-face or on camera if you're still remote and specify what it is that you have done wrong, how it is that you reflected on it, and ask for forgiveness. Like, actually ask them for forgiveness. It makes such a huge difference. Make sure your apology is not meaningless. Like, I'm sorry if I offended you. That's not an apology. I'm sorry that I've said this. I'm sorry I lost my cool. I'm sorry I gossiped. I apologize for not delivering my title on time, not doing something as I said I would, whatever it is. It adds to the integrity that you bring to the workplace. And it builds trust with your coworkers, or your manager, whomever that is. I cannot tell you how rare it is that in a business world, especially uh, when you're working with people of just higher titles, that they're not they're not used to apologizing and asking for forgiveness. They just say, "Uh, you know, sorry that happened," or like, "Oops, sorry I'm late." It's not really an apology. Oh yeah. And don't be late. That's not part of the list. That's like in between three and four. Let's just put it like, just be on time. Um, that's just good business. Um, number four, strive to be really good at what you do. If you're an analyst, go attend the course on like the latest power BI upgrade or spreadsheet or, technique of doing pivot tables i don't know whatever it is but um, if you're a software developer make sure you understand the language make sure you understand the product manager and everything that the client requires to be part of um, whatever it is that you're working on developing if you're in medicine you guys already have so many exams i have nothing else to recommend just tell me when the date is and i'll just be praying extra hard for you um but do it with interest to your, um, to your vocation, to your specialization, to anything that you're called to do. Not just, oh, yeah, I will attend this course because it will get me a promotion. Great. But that's not at the core. We need to be, that's part of working with excellence. We need to be striving to do good. I don't want to hire an uh, electrician that is going to come in And my whole electricity in the house will be crooked. And then, you know, things will be breaking. That's just not good business. So in anything that we do, let's just invest time and be good at it. I have had a comfortable experience as when at my company, I meet with someone for coffee or just conversation and whatnot. And I know of that person's reputation of just being, you know, just they're lax about their job. They're doing it haphazardly. They're there-ish, and they're not really, like, participating in it. Um, any projects that are not required of them. They are barely doing the work that they're supposed to be doing. And then I meet with them for coffee, and I find out they're a Christian, and I'm like, ouch. That's going to be a different conversation I'm going to have to have with them. Because I take it um, with great responsibility To be able to tell somebody that, a brother or sister in Christ specifically, and we should be, um, you should be holding me accountable. I should be holding accountable the, um, the brothers and sisters in this church if I see that something is not done, as I think the person can be doing that. Number five, let God be in control. The gospel gives us freedom from constant pursuit of perfection. Remember, I asked you to put that asterisk there. We don't need to prove ourselves. We don't need to secure our identity through our work. We come to work secure. We spend our mornings every single day or evenings, wherever you do your devotional. We spend our mornings or evenings in front of God. Worshiping him, asking him for that security if we don't already know the truth. And asking God to lay it down before us, to explain it to us, to let us believe it more and more every day. So that when we go to work, we let him be in control. We don't need to be controlling of any kind of result of our job. We don't need to be micromanaging people. We don't need to be just standing over their shoulder and saying, are you done yet? Let God be in control and set good deadlines too. Um, Number eight, be aware of fruitless seasons. Not every season at work is just going to be like flying colors. You're crushing it. Everything is going great. Every goal you set has been met. People are there. They're on fire. Nobody quits. It doesn't happen this way all the time. It happens that there are dry seasons that you just have to grind through, and it's part of integrity also. Because if you're grinding through the tough seasons, and you're grinding through the seasons that are successful, then you're showing people that your character is being built by this tough season, as well as by this joyous season. And you're proving to them over time that you are trustworthy. That you're not going anywhere when the tough season hits your company or your team or whatever. Number seven, mean what you say and say what you mean. Your actions should follow your words. Especially when people find out you're a Christian at work. Then you really have to mean what you say and say what you mean. (laughs) Because people start looking much closer. Hopefully. And if people are not looking much closer at your life at work, then what are you showing to them, right? What are you presenting? Also challenge you with that. They ask you questions like, hmm, I thought you were a Christian. Aren't Christians not supposed to be doing that? And then you're like, ouch, I did not know you knew that I'm a Christian. (laughs) But then you're like, you know what, right, I should not be doing that. You're right. I had, I have to confess, I had a moment at work when I lost my cool just a couple of years ago. It was super stressful, and this person was really hard to work with, and I just, I didn't lose my cool, like, throwing things at the wall or anything like that, but I was, I raised my voice, and I would usually never raise my voice, and then I walked into their room, and I apologized before them, and they were like, you know, it's cool, fine, like, I'm totally, totally understandable why you did that, But then somebody else, completely, like a third person, not even part of the conversation. I didn't even know they heard me. They came over to me in their water cooler conversation and said, Hmm, Lana, like, I thought you were, you're always so cool, calm, and collected. But, like, when I heard that you did that, so that means that that person shared that I did that, I I was really, like, taken aback and, you know, just, like, are you okay? Is everything okay in your life that you just lost your cool? I'm like oh my God, like I, it's spreading. And as soon as you do something, people start talking about it because it's something out of the norm, hopefully. But then you kind of crush it and say, yeah, I lost my cool. I make mistakes. I apologize before that person and I think we should be cool. And then I would usually also want to say, mind your own business, but I didn't say that. (laughs) like the Bible actually says that. Um, So um, number eight, Let go of pride. As C.S. Lewis says in Mere Christianity, pride is competitive by its nature. Pride gets no pleasure out of having something, only out of having more of it than the next man. We say people are proud of being rich or clever, but they're not. They're proud of being richer or cleverer than the others. So pride is something that kind of goes with um, ego and idols that I mentioned before. It is very easy, especially when you do something that's successful and that ends up in a good outcome for your company or for your team. It's, and if people pay compliments to you, it's really easy to let it get into your head or your heart or your soul. But we lay pride down every morning in that single devotional, um, as we let God be in control. And, um, I think it is, it needs to be done daily and God will humble you. If you seek him and approach him about this topic, he will quickly do that because he hates pride. And that's something that he just does not allow, um, to harbor in our hearts and we should take it very seriously too. So letting go of it, I think it's a practice as well. Okay. I have two more. You still with me? Okay. Um, be prepared to be the anchor in stressful situations at work. Yes, not everything at your job depends on you. It depends on God, as we just talked about. But God is giving you clear instruction, instruction in scriptures we just looked at together. And going forward, he will be the source of your power. Your daily morning prayer, even as you walk into the office, God, I let you be in control. God, take over. Help me with this presentation. Help me with this task, with this surgery. Help me with this client. Help me with this customer, whatever it may be. God, prepare me for any uncertainty I will be facing today. If you incorporate that prayer into your daily life, I guarantee you you will start seeing changes because I have seen changes in my life work life, in my office, and how things have been going on the team. People approached me with questions that were not of my, like, I didn't even know any of the topics, but they were like, Lana, I just need your opinion. I, I, I just don't know what to do. And you seem to have a cool head. Can I, can I just run this by you? That's possible if we try to be, um, try to let it go, right? And understand that we are not in control, but we are prepared to be the anchor for our team and for our colleagues and bosses. And then number 10, last but not at, at all the least, love your neighbor. As Matthew twenty two thirty six says, teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is, love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two main commandments. I was going to put patience as number 10. But recently, I've been just like trying to understand what really patience is when it comes to people. Not like patience and waiting for God to speak, but specifically with people. And I don't think we need patience with people. I just think we need love. I think we lack love when we don't have patience for people. And that's why as number 10, I put love your neighbor, not be patient with your neighbor. Because when you love them, you understand, it's an active verb, right? You understand what's going on in their lives. You give them the benefit of the doubt. If they come to work and you just see that they're just not in it today, You ask them or you don't ask them how they're doing. You you know them. You know their habits. You know what their triggers are. You don't go there with them. You watch their back. So then you won't struggle with patience if you have love. And loving your neighbor is a commandment. It doesn't say be patient with your neighbor. So that's why I paraphrased it. I think that this goes love your neighbor maybe before every single one of the 10 things I put before you. Love your neighbor and apologize. Love your neighbor and not gossip. Love your neighbor and mean what you say and say what you mean. Because it's it's a crucial part of our daily Christian life. So this is kind of it, all I prepared. But one thing I want to say is A a lot of inspiration for um, today's teaching besides the Bible itself. And I mentioned the book of Proverbs already. And um, I can, if you're interested, I can send you my notes on this teaching. But uh, one of the books that I read when it first came out was Tim Keller's book, Every Good Endeavor. And it is a book that absolutely changed my perspective. Um, Before, I was just a hard worker but then I just realized, you know what, There's this is more than work. This is much, much more. This is my battlefield, and I'm going into it full head-on, understanding what I have before me. And um, C.S. Lewis, Mary Christianity, too. Um, so if you are interested to read these, uh, if you have not read these um, and are interested, uh, I encourage you to pick both of those up. So thank you, guys. I'll invite Summer and Jason back to... Um, another song with us.
1: spin in a heavenly dance. Oh God, all that you are is so Shame because of mercy, and I'm overwhelmed, and I'm overwhelmed. forever you'll be my god and all that you've done is so overwhelming i delight myself in you captivated by your beauty and i'm overwhelmed i'm overwhelmed You are beautiful, oh God, there's no one so beautiful. You are beautiful, God. You are the most beautiful. You are wonderful, you are wonderful, you are wonderful. Oh God, there's no one so wonderful. You are wonderful. God, you are the most wonderful. God, you are glorious, God. You are glorious. You are glorious. Oh, God, there's no one so glorious. You are glorious. God, you are the most glorious. I delight myself. I delight myself in you. In the glory of Your presence, I'm overwhelmed. I'm overwhelmed by You, God. I'm running into Your arms. I'm because of mercy. I'm overwhelmed. i
0: we have just addressed these scriptures together, Lord God, I want to thank everyone here, Lord God, for just tuning in, Lord God, and listening, and I pray, Lord God, that everything that we talked about today, Lord God, that now as we go out into the world, that we start practicing, Lord, together and separately, Making it all into one big family of Christians, Lord God, delivering one big testimony of who we are at the workplace. What does it look like to work with a Christian? I want to hear testimonies, Lord, of someone coming over and saying, I've worked with this person before, and it was an absolute delight. The way that they delivered above and beyond. could trust them their word meant that their deed will be done and they did it and they did it with integrity and they stepped in where needed I ask Lord God that with anything Lord God that fell today and convicted anybody here I pray Lord God that you will just keep nudging Lord As we go home, Lord God, just keep nudging and keep addressing it with us, Lord. Continue to convict us until we come before you, until we repent and say, God, I don't want to do that anymore. God, you've shown me that I've done that. And I acknowledge that it was my mistake. And then we apologize to God and we apologize to the person we did that to. I thank you, Lord, for the absolute pleasure to have the security and to be overwhelmed just like some are just saying by your presence by your love by who you are and who you made us to be you invited us just like you invited Adam to be part of the workers in the garden let us continue in good faith Lord God. let us continue doing this as if you called us today again, just just as fresh as when you called us before. I pray, Lord God, that I pray, Lord Jesus, that we will just be abiding in you as we do this, Lord God, because you are the source, and let us not neglect that. In Jesus' mighty name, I pray. Amen. Thank you, guys. So. At the end of the service, we usually do communion. If you have not grabbed a little cup, um, I think there is one over there. There is a basket with cups, so maybe we can take some time and um, thank you so much, Christine. actually don't have one either. All right. So we usually um, do communion together every week. We try. And um, you can start opening this cup by opening it on the cracker side. So before we take it together, let's just be reminded what communion is. What it represents. It's not just the bread. We partake in it all together as one body. And we look at one another, at the neighbor around you, and we say, This is Christ's body. It was broken for you. And then we take the cup and then we just lift it to one another and say, This is his blood which was spilled for the forgiveness of your sins. And then we joyously celebrate by saying, Christ has died, Christ has risen, and Christ is coming again. And then we say, hallelujah. Um, All right, so usually in the end, we do benediction, which is like a... Final message of sending you into this world, and you know, start practicing these ten things. Um, there's going to be a test on this later. Trust me. Um, <laughs> so, um, as we go from here today, may we just um, learn how to how for our deeds to match our words, how to be patient and loving to our neighbors, and that's all that we are called to do in the workplace. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Thank you guys so much for coming.